Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, episode 98. I'm your co-host, Sarah DeBunting, and I am here with Mark Blankenship. As always, hello, Mark. Hello. Oh, God. Teddy Ruxpin. What are you mean? Just because I like to tell stories with a wee cassette in me belly doesn't mean nothing to you. (laughs) That is a a rather different different accent uh, than we've heard before. Um, I'm allowed to change. I'm fungible. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> speaking of things that uh, have changed, uh, not really. Uh, we'll be <laughs> talking about two different versions of Moon River today. Uh, Mark, do you want to talk a little bit more about the version that you selected and why? Well, sure. Well, let me also say that the reason that we are talking about Moon River is because of our listener, Sherry, uh, who requested this song on twitter which you can also request songs on twitter if you tweet us at talk songs uh and sarah and i were talking about how it would be good we thought to do a much older song we just felt like going real retro because you know we have our lane in the 80s and the 90s like we know that we clock that but we are who we are but sometimes we want to just dip way back and i think this actually might be sarah the oldest song that we have ever talked about on this podcast, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think so. I think maybe we ranked some songs. I think Stay might Oh, be. yeah. The Maurice Williams Stay, you're right, might actually be the oldest song by just like a year or two. Yeah, but I'm I'm actually not sure about that. I think this is definitely in the three oldest songs Absolutely. we've discussed. Because Moon River uh, was first written and premiered for the 1961 film Breakfast at Tiffany's, originally sung by Audrey Hepburn. It won an Oscar for Best Original Song. But, of course, it has since gone on to be the one of the most ubiquitous songs in the American songbook. It has been covered roughly a squidzillion times. <laughs> and uh, there is almost no way, really, to say who has the definitive version at this point. But I loved that Sherry recommended this song because it is such a rich uh, thing to discuss, this song and its history. And uh, are we starting with my version, did you say? Yes? Sure. Yeah, Let's. great. I just talked myself into a corner. What are you saying, Mark? Shut up, Teddy. Okay. Um, so I wanted to go with the first version of the song that I ever heard and also the song that I think uh, in many ways encapsulates the appeal of Judy Garland as a vocalist. This is the Judy Garland version of Moon River. Two drifters off to see the world. There's such a lot of work to see.
Oh, I mean, for Judy Garland to sing a wistful song about a rainbow again. Uh-huh. You know, at I this, know. At this late phase in her career, when she has overcome so much, has been through so much, it's heartbreaking, I think. I There is really something to seeing this um, and not just listening to it because all of the things that pass across her face in that phrase... Mm. Uh, Rainbow's End. There are some things in this um, performance that uh, we did not hear here, which I am glad, because when she goes to the full belt, it does not quite work. I am all for trying to create some contrast in the narrative, which I think is what she was trying to do, but it was a little too theater for me, but the the rest of it, like, I think you can't separate this performance of the song from her story. And yeah. the fact that the, um, the other drifter I think is her, is herself like that. There's, mm. I mean, when you see her, like she was 41, I looked this up. She was 41. She looks easily 10 years older. She sounds 10 years older. Um, but first of all, you can hear the Liza in her. So that's Ooh, sort of walking yes. beside all of this um, in the like bittersweetest way. But I, th- I feel very strongly that she's singing this very wistful song to like her old lives, to what might have been. Uh, her instrument is very different from... Uh, somewhere over the rainbow, of course, but because that line is in there, it like opens up this portal and you can see back to, you know, before everything. Um, I mean, I don't know, like the, the whole receiving Judy as a tragedy is really a cliche, but she really was. And she yeah, and knew like, it at the time. Yes. And her ability to put that forward in this song that is very, it's very American. It's about the ho- possibly um, diluted hopes of of a sort of a nation and of its citizens about like, well, let's just go see the world and get away and escape and go to the horizon. And uh, it doesn't always work. And who better to express that, you know, that quintessentially American idea than this quintessentially American Hollywood tragic figure so and yeah lovely maybe not her best performance but yet also yes yeah you know it's so what you just said is so correct uh it may not be her best technical performance but in terms of her artistry it is one of her definitive performances it's like a really fascinating thing and you know she is she was uh this wonderfully tragic figure and for gay men at the time especially who were so deeply closeted they were in so many places because they had to be you know her her ability to survive in the face of so much hardship and retain her strength and her femininity like no wonder gay men who were told that their femininity was making them evil would respond to a woman whose own femininity had been the source of her abuse and yet had managed to continue on no wonder she was inspiring and there's no it's no accident that the stonewall riots happened the day after she died and i don't know if you know that but i have it is actually at this point almost considered a historical fact that her death 
pissed off so many gay people or made them so furious and so upset that that actually contributed to the Stonewall riots. So, get it, girl. Um, But, Sarah, I also think that something you said about who she's singing about and singing about herself speaks to the enduring power of this particular song. Because the lyric, it is vague enough. It makes, it's like, it makes a weird type of sense if you sort of cross your eyes and blur your vision. Like, you can understand it on some level that it's about longing and a desire to move forward. But if you parse it on a word-by-word basis, the lyric isn't really very clear. Like, it's not exactly, it's not exactly clear what this song is about, but it is emotionally very clear what it's about. And I think it's, it leaves so much space for an artist to imprint it with things, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, But I think the, well, that's a good segue actually to the second version, which is, um, uh, I don't know why I keep coming back like a dog to vomit to the Born on the Fourth of July soundtrack, but <laughs> that's uh, that's where we are. Um, the first version that I heard of this was the Henry Mancini Orchestra version. Um, there is a lyric here, but there's something about this melody that uh, the woodwind that we're about to hear in some ways captures the sense of the story, whatever it is. Uh, almost more effectively than human voices and English words can. So let's uh, have a Mm. listen and then we'll talk about it more. There's, there's so much here about a future that the the story seems to know will never come. Um, uh, I'm wait, it's waiting around the bend um, someday. Like there's so much sort of vague future. Like these are the things that you tell yourself at the darkest moment of the night uh, while you're looking out at this broad river with the moon reflected in it. Right. Like the, that reflection of the moon masks this dark water that can kill you. Um, this this song is, I think, not intended to be like hopeless or dark. It's just this like elegy for the things that we thought would be, which is a- again why I think it's so effective to hear Judy sing it and just how exhausted she must have been every day and looked it certainly in this performance like very very wan and tired even in black and white it's like oh girl like something yeah (laughs) bacon anything and i mean you know how it ends which makes it even even sadder but i i think there was something about judy that always was like looking around that next turn in the road that was like oh well maybe something maybe something good will happen here and yet it's that it's it's in the lyric. It's like uh, I'm crossing you in style someday. The rainbow's yeah. end is around the bend. It's like I know I'm not gonna. It's it's like the end of waiting for Godot almost. Like let's go, but they don't move. It's like I the 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 
the sort of soft ache of knowing of having accepted that you're not moving forward but still having enough of your memory of wanting to move forward you know what i mean it's like i'm not i'm not going forward this river isn't going to move forward i'm going to say that i'm going to go forward with you but i know i'm not and, and yeah I, and the, the river just keeps going what and i'm that? going to say that you're my huckleberry friend and i'm going to say i'm going to go with you but i'm not i know i'm not someday i will which means never yeah and also but there's there's also a um, there is also a sense of like togetherness and uh, you know relief at finding a fellow traveler yeah and at least being able to sort of share your dreams of the future with someone and feel heard while being unable to make them happen it's um, I just thought of this now but it's like the um, it's like the lyrical equivalent of that last bit of the Great Gatsby. Where he says, you know, and tomorrow we will run faster and stretch out our arms farther. But I don't know. I mean, it's also like the sign at the pub down the block from us. It says free beer tomorrow. <laughs> like, right. It's always like it's always just out of reach. And tomorrow we will stretch our arms out farther. Like that. I mean, there is a there is a great like beauty, but also sadness to this to this song that you know i don't think i ever spotted the uh the um rue steeped in rue steeped in rue is what my uh english teacher used to say mm. about the end of gatsby and this too but this is one of the great things about prepping for this podcast is that you're like oh like i'm just making notes and then i had to pause this judy garland performance and be like this is really like the parting of the veil between the world yes. is in this song. Dude. Well, and you know, you just feel like, Oh, I just got to sit for a minute. Similarly. I'm so glad that you chose this Henry Mancini orchestra recording because Henry Mancini composed the song and Johnny Mercer wrote the lyrics. So it was great to think about Henry Mancini's orchestra playing a song that he himself wrote the music for, because I was thinking about one of the reasons I think this song is about wistfulness and rue, but it's not about utter defeat and sadness, is because of the gentle way that the music moves forward. It's like a lazy river in the, itself. It's like there's a sense of it just... There's a soft motion in this music, and you it feels like the river is moving away from you musically, but it's not moving so quickly that it is turning its back on you. It's like you can wave goodbye and you can talk to it as... It, the, I know I'm speaking in just pure images at this point, but there's there's something about this song where it's like you said, you know you have a fellow traveler, the fellow traveler will be moving on soon, but has stopped for a moment to rest with you, and you know you're not going anywhere, and it's hard to be completely sad about that. It's it's that it's that favorite feeling. It's that laughter through tears. It's that smile with glistening eyes, and I just feel like it's pretty remarkable that this little pop song. Which they almost cut from Breakfast at Tiffany's, by the way, the producers of the film, until Audrey Hepburn put her foot down. Uh, it's so great that this song like really encapsulates that, and there's something just so honest about it. Uh, yeah, it's really and remarkable. it also does a good job, I think, reflecting like it's a good sort of like oral um, translation of what it's like to just like be on a boat. Yeah, on, the on, water. The, on that level too. Yeah. 
And there's that very, like, because of the instrumentation in in um, both versions, actually, that harmonica is maybe wouldn't have been my first choice, but I think it ties it to this um, Huck Finn reference. Yes, in, in the Huckleberry Friend type, yeah. Yeah, that ties that closer to, like, this is a particular river that has a lot of meaning in American history, and not all of it is... You know, not all of it is, you know, sunny, happy weekend fun times. A lot of it is war. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing how much is uh, packed into this song. And I, I do have to wonder if um, if we were to interview Messieurs Mancini and Mercer, that they would be like, y'all full of shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's possible. That's what we meant. And yet the song, is, I feel like no matter what they intended, the song is 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 big enough and strong enough to hold that. And I do feel like we have to go talk about the phrase, my Huckleberry friend, because that's, that's a, that's a neologism. No one ever before in the history of time had called anyone their Huckleberry friend. And, um, Mercer was on record saying that he was thinking about a friend he used to pick huckleberries with, and I don't know if I believe that or not, because I've also heard from people in the theater industry who used to work with him that he just put that in there because it scanned, and he thought it sounded sure. cool. And like but sometimes that's how it goes, that you're just like, well, yeah. let's just drop this in here, and then it that ends up being... Well, and it's one of those things where the... the it's so often when... Uh, I read a play the way I was trained to read a play is the scene that makes you pause that seems out of place is probably the key to the whole thing. So it's tempting to skip over it, to cut it or to dismiss it. But maybe actually the secret to everything is in that thing that confuses you. Right. I feel like there's something about the phrase, my Huckleberry friend that it's like, you're so caught up in the inchoate emotion of whatever it is that we've just been describing that you have to reach for a word to just I all I can say to you is you're my huckleberry friend like I that's what it has always meant to me at least like you're sitting there looking at this river and whatever this river represents to you you're thinking about where your life is going and you're looking at the thing that the river represents and you're thinking about your relationship to it whatever is in your mind that that river represents and you you have to call it something and so you call it my huckleberry friend and it's like it's the only word that comes out of your mouth and it makes sense and you can't explain why. And I like that emotional mystery right there in that lyric. And also that shorthand for um, like you have friends for a, a reason or a season. And there are some people that pass through your life pretty briefly, but are extremely important and pivotal. Mm. And I think that's, that's also uh, packed into the Huckleberry suitcase. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this before we wrap up. I oh, feel no. like before we wrap up, I have to take you down an unexpected road. <laughs> okay, you do that first, yes. then we'll wrap up. But but you, what were you going to ask me? Um, I was going to ask who you would like to see cover this in 2018. But why don't you tell your story, and we'll ruminate on that other question. That's a great, but that is it. a that is a fantastic question. I also do want to mention, of course, one of the perhaps definitive versions of Moon River is by Andy Williams who sang it at in his uh, on his show and named a theater in Branson after it. But I don't know. That just, for me, that's never been the one. So I just wanted to acknowledge we did not forget about Andy Williams. We just chose not to include him today. Yeah, it just, I listened to that one and was like, you know what, I'm switching to Mancini because Andy Williams just sort of seemed to sit on the surface of the song. Agreed. And this didn't. 
Mancini didn't, and Judy Garland sure didn't. Nope. Uh, so Andrew, my husband, uh, recently had a friend who was asked to perform a Finnish translation of Moon River oh, at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and so she came in and worked on the song with Andrew and sang it in Finnish, but then provided the retranslation back into English of the Finnish lyrics. Like, what had the song become about once it was translated uh, into Finnish? And I have been to Finland. I have really, My really... Lincolnberry friend? <laughs> yes, exactly. I have really loved uh, my trip, my time in Finland, and I have studied Finland a bit. And one of the things that is considered true about the Finnish character is that there is a certain, shall we say, uh, defeatism that enters into the psyche of the Finn. And I just want to read to you the, <laughs> the second verse of the Finnish version of Moon River, which is called Moon Bridge, uh, meaning the moon creates a bridge that that looks like makes it look like you can walk to the surface of the water. Oh, okay. okay. But it's a slightly different take uh, in the second verse. I watched the moon bridge with you and must have trusted its glitter, but the one who dreams by the moon bridge rarely finds happiness. It is only a delusion. So I was right. Yeah. At least in the Scandinavian heart. This is a very sad sort of comment on human nature and stasis. But now I want you to think about you're at a wedding and the couple is standing up there and you hear someone sings, the one who dreams by the moon bridge rarely finds happiness. It is only a delusion. You may kiss the bride. (laughs) (laughs) Or Yeah, like, um, spoiler, hint to the groom. (laughs) You, You got six months to get this app off the ground, and then you got to get a job. <laughs> this, that's this that's app, really something. But that's then right. I, feel, I feel validated by that interpretation. Yeah, it was actually really striking to me that you said something very similar a few minutes ago, and clearly then, yes, you're not the only person who hears that sense of tragedy in the song. Or I am Finnish. Maybe you are. I mean... If you, I'll tell you what, I once spent a wonderful week at the Arctic Circle in Finland, and you should go and see if you also enjoy hand-feeding a reindeer. I, I bet I would. I bet you would, too. Right. Speaking of the finish, we are nearing the finish oh. <clears throat> of this episode, um, and I'm wondering what um, current artists we might like to see cover it i of course i'm tempted to say alison krauss but i'm not going to because we have to stop giving her fantasy work on this Uh, podcast oh my god still to this day dreaming of it ready for it so i am going to say uh jason isbell you know he was someone who immediately came to my mind as well because obviously he has great truck with uh sadness and i would love to hear a country take on this song. And I will add to that, the other person who popped right to my mind was Dolly Parton. I would uh, love to hear too. her take. Honorable mentions to uh, Ivy and Adele. Yes, yes. And uh, I want to add to Frank Ocean released a version of this song recently that is really beautiful. So he gets a an honorable mention as a, a current artist who has recorded the song recently. Um, Yeah. Well, I don't think it is a delusion, despite what the Finns may think, to say that I enjoy this podcast with you. <laughs> uh, 
Me too, my Huckleberry friend. Um, our Huckleberry friends out there in uh, podcla- podcast listening land, uh, now that it is becoming, uh, now that weather more um, suggestive of taking a boat ride is here, you may need a t-shirt. Uh, we have t-shirts, and you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash podcast if you're interested in purchasing one. Shipping is included in the price. Just search the word shirt. Talk to you next time. Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. To become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastass. And as always, thank you for listening. Come true. Oh, someday I wish upon a star. Wake up where the clouds are far behind. Me, where troubles melt like a lemon drop. Chimney tops, that's where you'll find me. Mark and Sarah talk, 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 talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.